Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckley. SAB the CV. Copyright 2024. Proximo. Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. Sam, thank you very much for doing this. I am sincere when I say all of the following. I've been wanting to talk to you for a long time. I've admired your career and your story, and I've been wanting to understand what happened to you at the end for a long time because I think players live with secret stuff afterward, and I felt like, I don't think I've got this wrong, I felt like your career was basically ended over uh, head injuries and nobody got any information on like, well, what happened to damn Sam Shields? He was great. He had all this speed. He was running around, and then one day his career's over. He does this incredibly hard job, and then next thing you know, he's just out of the league. I, did I miss something, or am I getting something wrong there? Right, man. You, you know how it is. You know, it's business. That was a serious injury to a lot of organizations. After the 2018 season with the uh, L.A. Rams, I was definitely trying and trying to um, – you know, stay into the NFL and try to get with other teams. But I can honestly say that no one was interested. I just had to get my mind together for as it was over with. And um, I had a lot of personal responsibilities that was coming along with it. So I decided just to stay focused with that. And that was for as my family. I want to talk to you about that, Sam, because I don't think people know your story necessarily. And so that's one of the things that I was hoping to do with you today was sort of allow people to see inside the helmet, because I don't know if they understand how hard it was for you to get to where you got to. So how would you explain it to a stranger? If you had to start at the beginning, uh, Sam Shields ends up at the University of Miami. What are the number of things he has to climb over in order to get a career start at the University of Miami? Just it, most definitely, like everybody would say, the ground, of course. It was just a mentality of just keep going, no matter what it was. No excuses. It was just a straight focus thing. You know, if you was able to do that, and I felt like that was something that I seen in me, that it was going to work. Just not giving up. You know, that was something that I was always taught. And um, just taking risks. You know, I was taught that. Sometimes you got to take risks in life to to get where you want to be. And I felt like that was that was my journey throughout from Miami to all the way to, you know, the NFL career. And, um, and switching positions and things like that, it was very tough, of course. But I had also had the resources around me that I was taking advantage of for as uh, Philip Buchanan and um, a couple other guys that took me under their wing and was able to show me, you know, the ropes of, of being a DB. And then eventually when I got to um, Green Bay, of course, it was it was a lot harder because I was undrafted. I really had to get it from the mud. And uh, when I got there, my focus was just mainly on special teams because, I, to be honest, I started learning DB when I first got to Green Bay my rookie year. That was my first time really, really, really learning DB. I never played defense a day in my life. And um, like I said, when I got to Green Bay, it was all special teams. So when I figured that 
I was going to make the team just with special teams. That was my main focus. It wasn't defense. I wasn't even worrying about defense at the time. People might not understand here. I want to talk to you about your life before the University of Miami, but what might they, the, what they might not remember about the story is that you were very fast and you were a wide receiver at the University of Miami, and then you become one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. You become a cover corner, a <laughs> shutdown cover cornerback, and uh, you, you learn that on the job is what you're saying, getting to the pros, and your dream was just, can I get a check? I just need to get a special teams check. That's it. Because when I got in the NFL, I had Charles Wilson and those other guys, Tremont Williams. You know, those guys was already in the league. So they they focused with me was, man, just make sure you have a job on special teams. Because if, if you have a job on special teams, you'll never, you know, you'll always have a job, period, you know, on the, on this roster. So when I looked that in, of course, using my speed of running down on uh, punt returns and, you know, things like that, I just felt like, oh, that was my advantage, is my speed. And then eventually, that's when, uh, you know, players get hurt and you the next man up. And it's like, oh, shit, I'm up. Now I got to really get my mind right. You so, know, so it was kind of like that. Then it started getting better and better and better. So you overachieved then, right? You surpassed your dreams. You, you're thinking to yourself, everybody had told you at Miami or anywhere else or undrafted, well, you're not good enough. You're fast, but you're not an NFL player. And you're thinking to right. yourself, and you're just thinking to yourself, well, watch, I can be, I'll be a special teamer. That's the best I can do. Or that I'll get my yes. opening, but you're not even dreaming beyond that, right? You're not even saying, and one day soon I'll, I'll take Charles Woodson's job. Right. No, no way. I just made sure that Sam Shields was going to be on the roster. I don't give a damn if it was kickoff, kickoff return. I just wanted to be that starter on one of those, you know, teams because I knew that I was going to have a job. I didn't worry about defense at all because I, I didn't even know the, the defense terminology with Don Capers. Man, it was, it was like science class. So <laughs> so why didn't they it, teach it you anything? Hard. They didn't teach you anything at the University of Miami because you played, but they weren't teaching you. You get to the pros and you feel totally ill-prepared for professional football. You are a dumbass. You're walking in and you're a dumbass about defense. Oh, yeah. Dumbass, for real. I'm talking about with the simplest basis, cover two, I'm fucking up. It was bad, man. I promise. Man, the DB coach had to bring out Flash cars to help me. That's why I learned the defense. Flash cars. But Sam, how did they, <laughs> how did they not teach you anything at the University of Miami? Whose fault is that? It was one of them. When I switched the position, what's his name? Um, Demarcus Van Dyke got hurt, and I was this man up, and they just hey, you man to man stick him wherever you go. You just I ain't know how to turn my head. I ain't man. It was all messed up. But like I said, I just they gave me a job. You just guard him. That's why I love to play one-on-one -on -one defense because of that. That that what really helped me in the NFL, to be honest. My resource that really helped me was Philip Buchanan in the offseason. He was teaching me how to bat pedal. I didn't know how to do none of that. I appreciate but, yeah. that you're not saying anything bad about Randy Shannon. That's nice of you. I'm just surprised by that, but I'm not here to talk about the gotcha of the things that you didn't learn. I'm more here to 
to show people the human being who was underneath that helmet because you're saying basically, Sam, I think I've got your decision-making right. You're saying, look, I'm going to choose a very dangerous, unhealthy job, maybe get to the league, be a special teams player because that's a good way to make a career, and I know the risks involved, or I think I know the risks involved, right? It's a dangerous game, and I'm making a business transaction. Oh, yeah. And, man, to be honest, after my last game at the Miami, we have a champ sport game. I never had the NFL on, on my mind, I promise. And after that game, I'm leaving. I'm going home. My senior year is over with. I'm not thinking about no NFL. And uh, I remember Drew Rosenhaus tapped me on my shoulder. And the only thing he said is, I want to sign you because you fast. And then that's when the NFL went from there. Just like I, that. I wasn't thinking about going to get no agent. I didn't, that, that was my mindset because it was, I just changed position. I'm not going no NFL. Sam, you thought you had failed? You thought your career was over? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going back home. It was over with. I really had that in my mind. This is it. I got to find something else. I was not thinking about no NFL until Drew Rosenhaus tapped me on my shoulder and said, I want to sign you because you're a fan. That's crazy. Yeah. So you were, were you ending your career at Miami kind of sad and scared because you're like, uh, were you not dreaming of the NFL in college either as a career? You were just saying, nah. I'm going to I'm gonna get an because education? See, my, around that time, Miami was all screwed up, man. We wasn't. And then I had switched late like that. Nah, I was just getting prepared to get for the, you know, the real world to be with the family and all that. That's what my mindset was. Oh, so Sam, you're telling me that once they switch your positions, you'd already failed, right? You were already being told collegiately, look, you're fast, but you're not a wide receiver, and go over here, and you're already being told you're no good. You're not going to play. You're not going to be any good at football as a professional. I can say that. Basically, that's what it was. <laughs> and then it was a lot of Miami guys that's from Miami was coming in, so they was really trying to make these guys play because, you know, in Miami – you got the city around you. If your nephew not playing, I'm for to go to the coach. Why my nephew not playing? He need to be out there playing. You know, they got the city guys coming to the practice, trying to check and see if my dude playing because he went to Miami Northwestern, so he need to be star. So you know what, Sam? All these guys coming from Miami Northwestern, dang, you fans, I think you could play DB. I already wasn't playing anyway because all these guys coming in and. They coming up with excuses for me not playing, and I switched my position. It took me a while. I had to talk with it over my with my parents. They even called my parents and said, we're going to switch your son position. I was trying to transfer out of Miami to go to LSU because I wanted to keep playing um, where I receive But they wouldn't let me transfer. Oh wow! You need you were born too early. Yeah, yeah you could you could have so you could have gone somewhere else, but they had your your rights locked up. And so, how was it on yeah, draft day? Yeah, So you're when you get undrafted yeah. on draft day, you are not uh, you're not surprised. You're you're still even though Drew. Drew oh no! Oh no! I wasn't surprised at all. I wasn't surprised. We were just sitting watching it just to be watching it. But I knew I wanted to get drafted. And Drew Rosenhaus called me and was like, "You going to the Green Bay?" You got to try out with Green Bay. And I was like, oh, yeah. I never left Green Bay when I went to the trial. The story is crazy, though, Sam, because you end up playing how many years in the league? Like nine. You play nine years in the league, and your proudest achievement, you would say, in those nine years, or the thing that is mo that you feel most badass about is what? 
Man, just being able to um, go that long in the league, man, that's very tough to be able to do those amount of years and accomplish the biggest stage in the world and just, you know, doing what I did. You know, that, that was the biggest thing and just making it out. You know, I went through the concussion, but, you know, I still, to myself, made it out healthy, even though I went through the concussion thing. I still walk, you know, things like that. So I feel like everything happened for a reason and it went the way it posed went. When you were going into the league, what did you think it would do to your body? What did you think the risk was? I really wasn't thinking that far like that. I was just really thinking to keep myself to not getting cut and finding the ways of not getting cut and not going home because I know if I go home, what you know that was you know that was gonna be a, a bad story. Just to be honest, you know, but that, that was my main focus was not to get cut, wishing and hoping. Walking on pins and needles every day, <laughs> hoping I ain't got no slip in my locker. Why are you saying going home would have gone uh, and been a bad story? Because at that time, man, I I wasn't where I'm from. Is football on the streets? That's that's it. I'm going for the work. I wasn't going on nobody's job and work. I was getting prepared for that before I went to the league. But like I say. I got that tap on the shoulder. It was nothing but God. It's crazy how honest you're being about that. You're basically saying that your options, right, that your options to make a career because you weren't going to go work for anybody were the streets or the NFL. That's it. Those were the Most two definitely. options. Yeah. I told my mom that right after the, after the game. I told her, I said, you know what I'm about to do. I ain't going no job. That's just what it was. That was the mindset, which it was, you know, Stupid, but at the same time, that's where I'm from. Small town Sarasota. Where are you from? Not small town Sarasota, but tell people where you're from. Like, what are the... I'm from Newtown, Leon, Sarasota, down Martin Luther King and Leon. Just basically, man, your your environment, who you've been around before, like in high school, you still got those friends that's you know, didn't make it to that far where I made it, even in college. So I'm going back to them. They my friends. I got friends not still in prison, still going in and out. Them my friends, them who I grew up with. So I was going back to that environment. So, you know, that's influence. I'm like, know what I'm going to do. Football save you? Most definitely. <laughs> Hell yeah. Your feelings toward football are all positive? It's, it's very positive. You know, I got, I got a lot out of it. It made me who I am now. And, um... I was able to take care of a lot of responsibility, which I am now. That's why I say it made me who I am because, you know, I'm the only boy in my family. So, hey, them the type of responsibilities that I had to get prepared for anyway. So it's, it's no bad talk about that. The NFL, man, they, I, it's definitely helping me take care of my responsibility. What can you tell me about being the only boy? What can you tell me about how you grew up? We was together. My mom and dad, they've been together for like 46 years now. And um, it was just me and my sister, but I had two other sisters that my dad had. Like I said, I was the only boy. We had a cousin that moved in with us. He was another dude. But that was just us. We was grounded like that. You know, my mom, I see my mom, you know, just making things work, teaching us the right way. And we wasn't the, my parents were the ones that let me go out in the streets when the, the light came on, I had to be in the house. 
You know, that's the family I came from. And showing respect, having character when they not around. These are the things that, that was taught to me. So when I go around Sarasota, they can go to my parents and be like, man, you got some respectful kids because how we was taught. But that, that's just how my parents is. They lovable. They give. They was just on the Rachel Ray show just for giving to the community. So it's recognized that, you know, that's just how the Shields family is in Sarasota. Anybody could tell you that. Can you tell us what you have been able to do for your family because of what the NFL gave you and what you gave the NFL? When you say, take care of your responsibilities, you must get great pride from how well you have taken care of those responsibilities. Oh, yeah. Man, first thing was the house, you know, getting them in the house, remodeling our home we grew up in from our grandparents all the way down, remodeling that home for my kids or, or my my nieces to be able to stay in when they get older. You know, doing things like that, making it, making the family still here, you know, and uh, and just making them happy, keeping them happy, man. You know, support. You know, that's all I was doing. Because like I said, my, my dad already told me, hey, when you get older, you're going to have to take care of these responsibilities. So I was already prepared and, and, and ready for it. You know, streets, football, whatever. I was, you know, that was something I had to get ready for. What does your mother say, Sam, when you tell her, you understand I'm leaving college now. I did my best. Coaches say I failed. Uh, my choice is now the NFL or the streets. Hey, Mom, you know what I'm going to go do now, right? It's not going to be the NFL. I'm headed to the streets. She was like, damn. She said, don't tell me that. <laughs> she was like, please don't tell me that. I said, yeah, but I mean, I work for the work. And she was just, you know, she a praying lady, so she ain't gonna say too much. All she, all she did was went in her room and started praying. Probably. Why was your attitude? I'm not gonna work for anybody. Cause the environment. Uh, it wasn't that I was against working for anybody. It wasn't that. It was just, you know, I, I did one or two jobs and I didn't like it. I'm, I wasn't no working person. And then, like I say, my friends, they they was in the street. They get money. You see the money that they getting this quick, things like that. Like, no, I ain't for to go work and wait for two, three weeks for a check, and I can get this in a day. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's crazy to think, Sam, that you get to the NFL. The story, I don't think people understand how nuts the story is that you get to the NFL and you don't know anything, that you teach, that you learn on the job how to be good enough for nine years to play in the NFL at cornerback when you know how hard that shit is to do for one year. Never mind nine. It's hard. 
Yeah, it, it was hard, man, day in. And, and, like, I came in when it was real. We were still doing tour days and all that when Don Cape was putting in 30 plays of, of practice with 50 checks in one play. And now you got to go back on the field and, and know that. You on the field with Charles Wishing where you can't make mistakes. Man, that's that was hard mentally. Going to practice every day, like, damn, I hope I don't make no mistakes. <laughs> man, I just remember, serious, man. Yeah, you're remembering I the, was, the pressure of that. I was on the bottom of the depth chart. I was on the bottom of the depth chart for three to four years. And I left on top. <laughs> I was always on. Did anybody tell you or believe in you more than most? Did anyone, like, what were they seeing three or four years at the bottom of the depth chart? Who was believing in that? Morgan Burnett and my DB coach. He, he believed in I me. Mean, he the one came with the flash cards and helped me. And the flash cards really helped. You know, he will putting his coverage on one side and, the, you know, the, the uh, checks on the other side. And I kept just going home and just in my hotel and just reading them. And eventually I had uh, Morgan Burnett as my roommate. He came in knowing the whole playbook from Georgia Tech. So he already knew the defense. He was starting when he came. He put his feet right on the on the grass. I had him as another help because he's my roommate and he's telling me, you know, you can make this because I'm fast. Just use your speed. Have confidence in your speed. You know, telling me things like that. Were you embarrassed by that? Were you embarrassed by the flashcards or just helped by them? Were they like a life preserver? Instead, you were grateful for them. I was embarrassed, yeah, because you in a room full of dudes, man, and you don't know that shit. And everybody know it. And the coach is on your ass the whole time. And, and you got to think, I was the only rookie in the DB room at that time. So the DB coach only asking me questions because everybody else know. They've been five, six, eight years. Even Al Harris was in the room when I was there. <laughs> these are good. these are really good players. Like you're the idiot in the right. room. You're you feel like a fool, right? Like I don't know anything. These people are masters Man. of their craft. They're great, and I'm embarrassed every day out here. I'm shitty at my job, and I'm standing around geniuses. Yeah. The only the only time that I was really comfortable going through the uh, facility to meetings was special teams. I was ready to go to a special team meeting, but I didn't want to go to no defense or um, individual meeting. Hell no. Nah. How long were you scared? How long did you feel dumb? Like three, four years. Ooh, ooh, that's a yeah. shitty feeling to hang on and, the and, fringes and, of the league, to, to hang on to your career, to not know if you're going to go back to the streets, and I'm shitty at this job. I'm filled with doubt. And when the only thing that helped me out there because another thing, it's a few plays I could show you, and it looked like I know shit, that I ain't know a damn thing. And I say this, Morgan Burnett, we came up with checks ourselves to help me. And we used to do them in the room, and he was like, man, when we in cover three, I'm going to just put my hand up like this. He would help me. So when I don't know the play, look back at him, and he would just do this, and I know what, you know where we at. Coaches didn't even know that we was doing that. <laughs> he seen the potential in me. When they seen us doing it on the film, they asked us in the meeting, was like, hey, what y'all, what kind of signals y'all doing? And then that's when we told him that how he was helping me. 
and they was using our signals for it for uh different defense now. They was putting it in in the in the uh defensive playbook. And you feel how about him because of that sort of mentorship, that sort of professionalism. A man would take the time to do his job and yours in the name of let me teach this young fella something. I'm his teammate. I'm going to make him better at this job. Oh, yeah. Not even that. He showed me how to be, I'm not saying I'm a bad father, but he, he showed me how to be a, a great father because that mentoring, just looking at Morgan Burnett, he just had it all. He was on meetings on time. He was everywhere on time. And I'm seeing this in this dude because I'm, a, I think, a year older. But I'm looking at this dude doing all this, and I'm like, damn, I'm thinking like this, and this dude really doing what he's supposed to be doing, getting on meetings. He ain't meetings an hour before. I'm like, damn, why he doing all this? He, But he making me do it, because I don't want to be like, damn, my, my roommate gone, and I'm still in his sleep. He was really making me get up and, you know, go watch film, go do this. He forced you to be a professional, you know? or he taught you to be a yeah. professional? He really talked by his actions. He taught me by his actions. He wasn't he not a really talkative person, but the way he was moving and, and I'm looking and, and I'm like, damn, he's doing the right way. That's the way he's supposed to do it. Okay, so take us, Sam. You play for nine years. You get generational wealth that's going to help your family. You learn how to be a father. You thank the NFL and football for helping shape you. Uh, but the ending... Or this this part of it that I wanted to talk to you about, and I don't want to get anyone in trouble. I just want to take people inside the head of an athlete because watching your story, I'm like, it's such a cool story, and then it just ended. Like I'm like, why isn't Sam on the right. field anymore? He's in the concussion protocol, but then it's weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, and and Sam's not playing. So how long were you out for? Well, Green Bay, man, I was I was out for uh, I would say really a. Two years at the most, down there. Because at the time, man, I'm tell you something. Green Bay, I feel like they didn't put much effort in helping me get my head together. Then, oh, he's not playing. He's not helping us get rid of him. Instead of helping, let's see if he can go. Let's see if his mind together first. Nah, we just going to kick you off and go and move on. And that just to sum it up, I always think about that because I'm like, damn, they didn't really, you know, put too much into like checking to see if this dude was all right. They just wanted, well, damn, is Sam going to play this week? Oh, he's not playing. Oh, he do, you know what? He got to go. Then, of course, I got in some, you know, shit up there. So I, that kind of boosted up uh, them letting me go. So it was crazy, man. But I feel like the doctors didn't do much effort in put me in situations to help me talk to people to, to get my mind right, you know, get my head together. It was just, uh, you can't help us. You got to go. And I'm just being honest. It's heartbreaking. And I, I want to understand better, though, the, the period. You think you're coming back at any minute, any week. You think you're coming back. Why are you in the protocol this long? Because it's, uh, they do this simple test balance test and one little balance off, you can't play. And the doctor that we had, he wasn't letting you go out there if it was a little smaller thing. And that's just how he was. And every day, like I was telling him that, you know, I, I had problems. I was really going through concussion. I was really 
I couldn't get my mind right at all. And I feel like, you know, after when I was done with Green Bay and I took them years off, that's when I was able to get help. I got help from a, a girlfriend that I knew that knew some doctors at UCLA. That's how I started to get help to figure out what the hell going on in my head. Why is my head it's blurry? I can't. A, a young lady I got in touch with called me and said she knew some great doctors that worked with, you know, concussions at the UC, UCLA. And I started working with them. And, man, that's when they was telling me you got to do the opposite because I was in the dark for so long in the room, balling up. I, I, if you read my story, it tell you. And um, when I met that doctor, the doctor was saying, you're doing the opposite, man. You got to get up. You got to move. And every day he had me on a treadmill just running. You know, I was getting dizzy here and there, but he said I had to beat that, to beat the concussions. I, all I was doing is making it worse by laying in the room in the dark. And every day I was working with UCLA doctors, man, and just it was getting better and better every day. Sam, I do remember the story. I have read the story, but for the audience that has not read the story, tell them about what you were doing in the dark, balled up, uh, uh, sensitive to light. Uh, the te the telephone, the telephone light would bother you. Oh man, everything would bother me. I it's to the point I, the attitudes was coming out the lights. Like I didn't know nowhere to look. I'm locked in the house for weeks and weeks, and my, and telling my mom, lying to my mom, I'm all right. I'm all right. And don't come over. I'm all right. I said that over and over. Because I ain't want them all frustrated. And I never told them what I was really going through. I just was keeping it to myself and just going through the pain. And, man, I didn't know concussions take you through shit like that. Like what, Sam? Like just, you know, just sensitive to life and just thinking that shit over with. Because you got cut. So all that mental going in everywhere. So with the concussion, you got cut, nobody helping. Man, that shit, man. You see what's going on. You see what happened with the dude with the doc with his doctor. That shit go on just like that. People need help. They not helping. They just want you to go out there and play. That's why, and I'm gonna be real again. That's why I fired Drew Rosenhouse. Because it was always Sam. You could do this. Money. I ain't give a damn about no money. He just wanted me. I'm like, man, I got to get my head right. My shit is not together. Well, it's it's a lot of hockey players. They go through multiple classes. I I'm not them. You know, this is the conversation me and Drew used to have, and I felt like he wasn't supportive of my health. And when I was going through them two to three years I was out of the league, I didn't hear from Drew. I didn't hear from Drew at all until I told Myself, I say, you know what? I feel a little better. Let me go try this thing out one more time. That's when he, oh, oh, Sam, uh, we got the Cleveland, we got LA Rams, you go visit. That's when that, that's why I was able to get with the LA Rams. Yeah, now he want to work. But before I signed with LA Rams, that's when I fired him and did my own deal, the one year deal with the LA Rams. Oh, you fired him as a point because you didn't like being treated that way? What it sound, You sound hurt, and I understand why you would feel hurt that way, even as you give him credit for starting your career. Right. I'll never take that away. But at the same time, you know, you show me what it was for, and it was for the dollars. It wasn't about the, the support of how you doing, I hope you're doing all right. It wasn't that. 
And it showed. It was, you know. I'm surprised, Sam, to hear a little bit because I, I can only imagine how tough you actually are, but I'm surprised to hear what sounds like a little bit of naiveness about, man, I thought the company cared about me. I thought the sport cared about me. I thought my agent cared about me. I thought I was this wasn't just a business relationship. I thought these people, they, they love me, don't they? Yeah, yeah, I really did. And, and then again, at the same time, I had to think about it. It's business. You know, it's business. And, then, you know, some business ain't right, man. And, man, I, I, and I always felt, man, that they need more help on that concussion thing, man. We need more help with that. They need to know that because, man, it, it's to the point I had to get my dad because he got to the mind of, like, man, you all right, man. You, you can still play. You know, I'm like, hold on. Now, hold, wait. Now, you talking like this? But then again, he, you know, he's seen the realness like, oh, man, my son really hurt. Man, I was really hurt, man. And it was a lot of force of trying to get back in that field. And I'm like, man, you people crazy. And they doing it, man. They, and today they still doing it. You can see, man, you see it. Everybody see it. Them guys going right back out there because of you can get this. Let me tell you they say. Oh, you can get three more million next year. All you got to do is play one more year. So in your mind, you think like, hell yeah, damn, let me... Because you already been taking risks in, in, um, throughout the years in football, so that's all you know. So in their mind, they know you're going to jump on that. They know you're going to do it. Oh, all you got to say is something about some money. <laughs> oh, you can make four million next year. All right, I'll take that risk just to get the four million next year. Fuck that four million. And I was telling you that. I was, I was telling you that in, on the phone. I don't care about no money. I care about my health. I don't give you twenty million. The coldness of that must uh, strike you as what? What is colder, this or the streets? <laughs> right. <laughs> Both. Both. And that's why you know. I just right now. I'm. I'm a, you know. I had a little boy. Now I'm a little boy. And I just been so deep and involved with him because of what I went through and just seeing him and seeing him growing and just happy to know that I was I'm able to teach him, you know? It's it's real, man. And and I ain't gonna lie, man. I I've been wanting to do some interviews about this, man. Just inform people how real it was because I was on Twitter on my home my my friend Twitter and going through my name and what I seen what messed me up, man, one somebody on there said is Sam Shields dead? I'm like, damn. <laughs> That's crazy. Sam, I still don't think that people understand what you went through for two or three years. So take us through, and I want people to understand what it's like to be a prisoner inside your own head, because you're saying this stuff messed me up, but the details on that... I think the audience doesn't know the pain you guys live with when you're kept in this protocol for two or three years and, you know, they ended your career. Your career was ended by brain damage, correct? Yes. And um, it's just a lot because, like I said, when once you're in that NFL, 100% of the responsibility is on you. So you got to take risks because you got to take care of your family. You got to do this. So... Your head is just is all mushed together with the concussions because you got to that you thinking every day, 
You thinking no support. When you done with football, everybody forget about you. Family, friends. I have one friend. In football, I had 10. Right now, I have one that I know that that's my friend. I can really say, you my friend. <laughs> I don't even talk to my most of my family members. Football was over. Everybody was over with me. So you going through that. You going through the percussion, trying to get your mind right. You got kids. You trying to make sure they straight. It's a lot. How you going to deal with that? How can you deal with that by yourself? Like you said, prison in your own mind. And that's what it is. You in the hole. Confinement. <laughs> the pressures you're talking about are still not the pain of the loneliness of I'm in the dark and I'm sensitive to light. You're still talking about all of the pressures that come with the responsibility of I'm Sam Shields football player and that's all I am and everybody wants me on the field. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's the only place they want you. They don't want you nowhere else. And if you can't do that, then you got to go. They want you on the field to make them money. Make It's bad. Me, it's good. You get what I did. You know, like I said, I, I never thought I was going to get this far. But at the same time, I got here. I did what I did. And it, this is what come with it. And, and I, you know... I prepared myself, and that's what I went through, and that's what I'm going through. But right now, it's 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 totally behind me, and it's just straightforward for now. But it's it's serious, man. I just still go through things. I still get headaches. I still can't eat, kind of, because of that. I can't sleep. My sleep pattern messed up. I went to a um, the good thing I did. I went to a facility in Edwards, Colorado, to get help on some benefit thing. And um, it was a lot of guys in there that was talking about the same situation. And it's a lot of lot of us going through it. I mean, shit, down there, 80% of NFL are probably going through it, but they got to take the sacrifice of people in their ear getting their money. You can get three mil this year. You can get four mil this year. They, not, they think about the money. They're not thinking about their health. And some of these agents... And doctors have you like that. You can't eat? Not really. Not like I know. It's uh, not like that. I'm not understanding, though, what that means. I do understand I, what I don't understand it either. <laughs> but it, it's like, I don't know. You know how you just go through and think so much that you can't eat? You just mind, you just thinking, thinking it. That's what I go through. A lot. It don't stop either. A lot of people think it's just always oh, over with. It's his head to get better. That it don't. It's not gonna get better. At the end of the day, it's on you. You know. You know what's right. You know what's wrong. At the end of the day, and and you just gotta learn how to cope with it. You gotta find ways of how to cope and get out of those stressful moments. And that's what taught me going through that facility, taught me that. Finding ways to cope. That's the best way you're going to deal with concussions or any mental thing is just finding those key points where you can cope at. Family, 
walking by some water, anything, you know? And I found a few of those things that helped me. Sam, you continue to talk about pressures around all of this versus the actual pain. You're talking uh, about not just emotional pains here. What you're dealing with when you say, I can't eat, you're saying it's because of your preoccupations, because you cannot stop your mind, because, because you need something that doesn't feel like pressure in your mind, but all you're feeling is pressure all the time. All the time. It don't stop. It don't stop. I always say we institutionalize. When a prisoner, some a dude go to prison a lot, he go to jail a lot, he get institutionalized, he get normal. <laughs> That's how it is. It's, it's normal. And you and like I said, you then you find a way to cope, and you get over it's over with. Oh, but that's not over with. That's just pushing it down. That's just pushing it down. Yeah, and- yeah, it's not. You're right. It's not over. It's not over. But it's just it's over at that little time right now. You know. When you were in the protocol for two years, were you trying to get back on the field and they weren't letting you because they were doing tests that were telling you you were not right? Yeah. And then, it, you know, at, and at that time, I was still, man, to myself, I was manipulated of for as fighting through the pain. You know, we so much of, we got to fight through pain, fight, 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 no matter what. I was still going through that. So, of course, I was still trying to get on the field because it's I got to fight. I got to fight this shit. And at the same time, they saying the same thing. So that's all we know. What were the tests you were failing? Balance test, the remembering test. That's basically all we was really doing. For two years, you'd go into a room, you'd take balance. And you'd, what, what is the testing like? You get on a fire little, little foam um, pad and you stand on one leg and I guess you, if you fall, you balance off, then you stay on two with your eyes closed, you know, just simple basic things. And they make you do a, a um, computer test as far as remembering shapes, numbers. Oh, but I think if you ain't got because you're still going to fail it. I don't give a damn. You're still going to fail it. <laughs> you ain't got to have a concussion for that. But I, they was using that just to, oh, he can't go this week. He can't go this week. He can't go this week. He felt this, felt that. And then next thing you know, they put me on the um, IRR. I mean, what it called? The IR. IR. Yeah. They put me on that. So now I'm home. Now I'm home just sitting. You know, I'm not even going to the facility no more. I'm at home. Now I'm really in the tank. Hey Sam, we're gonna put your IR now. Like, damn. So that's that's a whole other year that I wasn't going. So in my mind, I'm like, damn, I'm gonna get cut. It's over with. That was another mental. I had to think about sit all think about that. They gonna get rid of me now. Damn my career. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice. Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 
When you say in the yeah. tank, when you say in the tank because you're going home, you don't have a job to go to, you're feeling lonely, uh, you're, and you're light sensitive as well, but you feel like you weren't failing these tests, that they were as an organization trying to keep you off the field? Because I would have assumed that they were doing that because you were failing the tests. Man, like I said, if you ain't got a concussion, you're going to fail that test, man. You ain't got to have a concussion to fail that test. You're going to fail it. It's just what they can give you in, over and over. You're going to forget some. The balance, you close your eyes right now. Without a concussion, you're going to be off balance, standing on one leg. <laughs> I would be, but I'm fat and out of shape. <laughs> it's all good. I would assume you'd be incentivized to lie about things, right? Because you want to get on the field. So you're just telling them you're fine, you're fine, you're fine, right? Right. Right. As a player, you're trying to get as much money you can, to be honest. And like I said, you tell somebody next year or this year you get $4 million, $3 million this year, ain't nobody going to try to turn that down. They're going to do whatever they can to get back on that field. But you, as a person, got to... Be like, oh, hell no, I can't do this. I don't give a damn about this money. I can't do it. I'm hurting. And that's what I had to do. It got to that point. Do you regard that as the most depressing time? Because the way the way that you talk about it, I don't know where where it is that you were feeling worse, but when you talk about both the prison of the head and the loneliness of I'm not allowed to play football and now I've got to deal with the end of my career, the death of my identity. I don't know who my friends are, if they're real friends, if they love me for football, where is everybody? It sounds like you were going you were going through the darkness of grieving something. Oh yeah, that's what it was, and and it, it was just everything coming from this way, that way, this way, everywhere. So then, like I said, it was just me, you know. I was able to talk to my, you know one of my friends a lot about it, but other than that, it was just it was just a lot, and I didn't know which way to think, which way to go, and at the same time, going through the pain in the house, locked in the house all day, just man, it's crazy. I'm going to read a quote from the Players' Tribune story that you did. Quote, it was 3 o'clock in the morning on some night in January 2017. I felt like my brain was cramping or like it was trying to break out of my skull or something. Yes, I, was ro uh, I was rolling around in my bed, whipping my body back and forth, trying to escape the pounding inside my head. Next thing I know, I'm curled up in the fetal position, shaking and crying. Yeah. Yeah. I really went through that. At that point, I'm like, damn, I don't know. I, I didn't really have headaches like that, man. That that was something different. That was something different. And I really was going through that. My mama tell you, my my friend, he was there. He is nothing he was able to do. He, he was just leaving the leaving the house, like nothing I could do. You don't want to go to the hospital. You don't want to do this. I couldn't do nothing. I couldn't move nothing. I just stayed in that room because I felt like that was, even though I was twirling, I was like, man, this this all I could do to, you know, be comfortable is being this bed. But that was the, I was doing the worst thing ever by doing that, which I didn't know, you know, because I was going through the pain, but that was the worst thing ever, you know. He had to do the opposite. How long were you in that yeah. darkness? How long were you in the room because you were light sensitive and you're making it worse because you needed to be around moving? I, I was enough. 
I used to be in there all day, all all throughout the day, all day. Yeah, I remember being in there all day. But for how long? Not moving, like three, four days. Then it, it'll slow down, and I able to you know go to the living room, get you know grab something to eat, things like that. But I'm back in my room. Is it because your equilibrium or your balance was affected to leave into the light, or it just hurt to be inside or around light? It was better to be in the dark, not moving, because that way you weren't like having that pounding or or that scared right. feeling. Right. It was. It, it was. It was for um. Because every time I move or go in the light, like you said, it, it was just pounding and um the dizziness. So at the time when I when I do and it get better and I go out there and get something to drink or whatever. You know, it's fine, but second later, man, I, I got to go back and lay down. It's like, you know, you sick, you about to throw up again. You got to get back to the toilet again. It's like that. Sam, I've talked to Jason Taylor about all the things it takes to play that sport and how many consequences there are to the body. And most players say, I do it over again. I do the whole thing over again. Would you do the whole thing over again? Football? Yes. No. No. Nah. I'd be going to school trying to do work for home improvement. I'd be doing it. I'd be trying to learn how to build a house. Uh-uh. It was fine, man. Like I said, I never take away from Drew Rose's house from helping me and supporting me throughout that my career, you know, get me to that point. I never take that away from from anybody because it, it's hard to get there, you know. And and I was able, blessed enough, to have the, that opportunity to get there from those guys of talking to coaches. You know, they did their job. They did. I can't take that away from. Them. But I went through it, man. You know, I felt like it wasn't no support at the time. When it was, cause at that time my career, man, I was I was gonna get paid big again. Just to be honest, I was. I was, man. That was that year. That man, I felt it in my heart. <laughs> I, I had a great off season. That thing just was over with after that. Well, you came back for those who don't know, right? You came back after I. Right. I mean, it's like it's like a miracle story. How many days were you out? It was like something like seven hundred days or something, and then you made back. You made it back, and you're saying you could have gotten paid again. Yeah. Yeah, man, man, and I just just because of you know just what I had, just the, I was just getting comfortable at the DB position. It may sound crazy. But, yeah, I was just getting comfortable with that position. And you decided to take care of your health? You decided, I, I cannot, I have to choose me. I'm getting pressure from every angle, my dad, everybody. And you think, you, you had to make the conscious decision between X number of dollars and no, man, I can't keep doing this to my head. Yes. Yes. Exactly right. And, and I was... And I always would talk money, is, you know, not to be so big about money. And, man, I used to, I, my mom used to whoop me if, say, like, I asked you for, can I get $10? And then you go to my mom and be like, hey, you know, Sam just came and borrowed $10 from me. Oh, man. 
she didn't like that. She didn't like you asking for money. She doesn't like you being so happy and, you know, for money. She didn't like that. And and that's how I felt when it came to that. I didn't care about no money. I want my help. It's a hard lesson to learn, but when you say, I wouldn't do it all over again, it's not something I hear many athletes say. And it's the healthy response. It's the perspective to have, but it's only because you've now lived it, right? And you you know the pain that you'd be exchanging for dollars. You know how cold that transaction is, and you're like, it's not it's it's not worth it. It's a cool story that I made it nine years in the league, but now you've got now I've got to live the rest of my life and I'm alone with that. I don't have the support I had when I was a football player. Yeah, like I said, because you you so institutionalized of being that football player, but we not it's most of not, we're not prepared for this life after. We're not. Business-wise, we don't know nothing. I'm not saying everybody, but most of us, we, we don't know about that life after that football, if you did, you know, that many amount of years. Because that's all you know is football. Go out there and kill somebody. Go and get that money. Go and, you know, just be flashy. You know, just that type of stuff. That's all we knew. But when, once it's over, you get out here and nobody not talk to you. And the, the girls not love you more, and it, it just now you like, damn, I'm not the football player. Nah, man, I ain't saying about me, but you know, just it's like that, man. Tell you, and I didn't, let, I didn't let that get to me because I seen it for as other players that they couldn't let it go. Because if I let this football go, everybody gonna let me go. That pretty young lady not going to like me no more. You know what I mean? So that's what we go through. Sam, it was good catching up with you. I really have been wanting to talk to you for a while. And I, uh, while admiring your story and how it is that you got to the league and everything you did and overcame, I also appreciate the honesty here in, in this forum. Thank you for talking to us this way. Uh, thank you for having me, man. No problem. <laughs> Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckley. SAB, the CV. Copyright 2024. Proximo. Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.